G'day, it's Scotty from Zenium Real Wealth here and uh, we're joining you at lunchtime. I hope you're enjoying your lunch, uh, whether it's in Queensland, New South Wales or in other parts of the world that some people join us. Uh, that is fine by me. All right, so this is our October uh, market update. So I'd like to have a shout out to Karen and Jason who handled last week's uh, training session when I was on holidays, uh, school holidays up in Queensland. So I had some time off with the kids. It was great. Um, wasn't so great, the jokes about the hair and other bits and pieces from Jason and Karen, but uh, that's all right. I'll get them back uh, in the coming weeks, I'd say. So today is the second uh, week of every month, and we talk about uh, what's been going on last month and what we see happening on the months coming up. So I'm going to get straight to it. All right, so we always go through the HTW property clock every month. And uh, that's part of what we do at uh, our Zenium program. We always love getting the results from HTW, see where they're up to and what's been going on. And with that in mind, we're going to take a look at a few of the things that have changed since last month which has been quite substantial this time around. Okay, this is the report from HTW. You can see there, residential October 2019. So we got over here, a whole bunch of information they go through on each state. I would suggest that you jump on and you subscribe to this and you can get this every month for free. It's a fantastic resource, it's very worth getting. What we wanna to flick to is a couple of points here when they break down the clocks, okay? So we've got, this is the clock from HTW for this month. And it's talking about uh, where they see each point in the market and, and where that's up to, specific towns and regions, and that sort of thing. As a reminder, the, the, uh, the names in orange have changed since last month. Okay, so that's a change from last month and we'll try and go through that shortly. So there's been quite a few changes this month, especially down around this bottom part of the cycle clock here. So we start at the top with the peak of the market. We're looking at Sunshine Coast, uh, Dubbo, Canberra, Bathurst, that sort of thing. Shout out to Bathurst, bit of a big month for you guys down there. Uh, we're coming down in the declining area. We've got Byron Bay, Coffs Harbour, that sort of region in New South Wales. Um, declining market stuff in WA, Kalgoorlie, etc. We've got approaching bottom of the market, the Gold Coast, and that's changed from last month. Last month, I believe, it was in a declining market, so they're saying it's possibly approaching the bottom of the market at the Goldie now. And we've got down the bottom, which hasn't changed since last month, is all those towns there. So Alice, Bundy, Darwin, Ipswich, Perth, Rockhampton, Southern Highlands, and Toowoomba, so bottom of the market. Bottom of the market isn't necessarily a bad thing, it just means you've got to choose exactly what you do at that time. So <clears throat> we've got this here is probably the most interesting section this month. So we've got uh, Brisbane, Cairns, uh, Geelong, Gladstone, Illawarra, Mackay, Melbourne, Newcastle, Port Hedland, Sydney, Townsville, Whit Sundays. So all the ones in orange have changed and all the ones in orange were at the bottom of the market, I think, last month. So we're actually seeing that the three large capital cities, according to HTW, are on a start of recovery. Now that's your opinion, uh, if you agree with that or not. Uh, we're just presenting the data as it's uh, presented in front of us. But that does make for interesting reading. They're all fairly large centres. So you've got Newcastle, Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, uh, Geelong. I mean, Gladstone's not, you know, it's okay, but it's on the move. 
Um, so those areas there, that's a lot of the population and a lot of the property in an area that is actually looking at that it's moving from the bottom of the market to a potential recovery. Now, is that too soon? Have they called it too soon? These guys are based very much on data. So it's not so much that um, it's an opinion. I guess there's always a bit of an opinion in there, but it's definitely based on the fact that it is uh, on the data that they interpret from their valuation processes. The other thing that I wanted to touch on um, on this report, that's the, that's the units one, which we're not going to cover this month because I think in most areas units should be at the bottom of the market. Um, that's a very broad statement, but units have been hammered and in a lot of areas there's too many of them, so you need to be very careful on that. We'll flip down here, and for those of you that watch our updates, we'll be able to see that uh, <coughs> a very familiar photo here. There's the last couple of uh, monthly updates where we talked about the opportunities in the market. We talked about uh, a contact of ours, Michael, who does uh, rooming houses and uh, high yielding property. And in fact, that exact house that we had offered to our database uh, that Michael had put together for us actually made it in this report. So it's talking here about higher density dwellings, which offer the ability to be rented out on a room by room basis, which is exactly the stuff that we've been talking about for the last two to three months right now, saying this is where an opportunity is. It's now in the HCW report. So this one here had um, five bedrooms and a recent example of multi-income property is this one here at Nudgee Road, which sold on a 9.1% gross yield in June this year. So that's an example. That exact photo is in our last week's report saying this is an example of stuff that we build for clients. So this isn't a pat us on the back type thing. This is literally, uh, you need to know where the trends are and what's going because it's even making news in some of these reports here. So that's important to know. And of course, a 9.1% gross yield is not a bad result, you've got to say. All right. So uh, the other thing that I want to talk to you about is what's going on in Sydney and Melbourne. So I think that there's a lot of talk about Sydney and Melbourne and they're the two, because they're the two biggest sites, right? They're the two biggest towns in the area, uh, in, in Australia, and they're the ones that make the most noise. I think what we're going to find is that the data is all pointing to Melbourne overtaking Sydney and that's, uh, that's in debate is when that's going to happen. But it's definitely going to happen in the coming decade by the look of what the data is actually saying here. The suburbs set for population explosions over the next 20 years. Right, so this article came out uh, five days ago uh, in The Age. So we're saying here that there's some massive, massive growth potentials in certain parts of Melbourne. Now, we've got to understand what growth means, right? So just because that there's a bunch of population growth, you need to understand that that can be a good thing or it can be a thing that means, well, what does it even mean, right? So is growth by default a good thing? Well, yes, if there's a shortage of land. No, if land is never ending. Okay, now land's not never ending, but you get what I'm saying. So if in that area, it's an absolute greenfield site with hundreds of thousands of pot uh, potential blocks of land and you're saying the area is going to grow by 50 or 100,000 in the next coming years, well really will there be any price growth because they can just bring on new land? 
what you're going to look for is you're going to look for areas that are, you know, restricted in their land. And the reason for that is because if you get an area with the growth, then you're also going to want that land restriction because it's going to form the price increases. So this here, we've got uh, talking about Melbourne's West <clears throat> in 2016 was home to about 3,000 people. And they're saying by 2036, it's home to be home to about 65,000 people. So uh, that's a fairly large growth. You need to look into what that means for the land in that area because uh, if there's heaps of land, it doesn't make a difference. If there's not heaps of land, well, then that could be a really, really good option for you to invest in. The other thing that it talks about in this article is there's a whole bunch of suburbs that are going to more than double in size in Melbourne, in Victoria, sorry, uh, in this time period. So that's, that's, that's there. That's a huge thing. So this is the age you can go and search for uh, suburbs set for population explosion, okay? So it's in the Melbourne's age. So that is a very, very interesting uh, report. As you can see here, this is their makeup of potential. This is what's happened in the past eight years in these paddocks. All right, so the next thing I want to talk to you guys about is the RBA. So the RBA has come out this week and said that uh, it might need to unleash quantitative easing and negative interest rates for the first time in Australia. So what does that actually mean? Well, that's a good question. So let's have a read of this article here from the Business Insider. All right, so we've got, they're saying things could look to get a little bit weird. Well, there you go. Weirdness. Weirdness is different. But essentially, quantitative easing is, is another form of, well, they call it money printing. There's debate as to whether that's actually the way it goes. It's, a, it's flushing the system with uh, usable zeros on a balance sheet is probably the best way to describe it. But the official cash, cash rate is looked to be destined to be cut to half a percent at least by early next year. Now, if that's the case, you know, what does that mean for property markets? What does that mean for investing? The thing that we look at here is that <clears throat> we've come down so far from the peaks with the, the interest rates. Uh, banks don't always pass everything on, as we know. They're quite good at uh, holding back cost of funds, all that sort of stuff. But what we need to look at is that if we go down from a 0.75 to a 0.5% cash rate, that's a one-third change. So even though the RBA has a, has a tendency to move in quarter of percent, when you're at 10%, it's, uh, it's very different to when you're at 1%. The question is, is it 10 times more powerful? If we're dropping down to uh, a half a percent from 0.75%, are we looking at a 30% change in, in what can be done in the market? I mean, if that's the case, that's huge. I don't think that's necessarily what translates through. I think what we're finding is the more that they're dropping rates, the less that actual confidence is in the general market. Yes, it makes interest rates very low. Yes, it makes lending you know very easy, but it doesn't make confidence great. In fact, the more that the general population keeps seeing interest rates dropping, the more that they're questioning, well, what should we do? What are we going to do with our cash? What's the point of having it in the bank? Are you going to have your cash in the bank when it comes to being 
negative interest rates? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I hope not. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to buy gold? Are you going to buy crypto? Are you going to buy uh, property? Are you going to buy shares? You know, what's going to go on? These are the things that all need to be discussed and need to be thought about by you as you move forward. What everyone is in agreement with, bar a few, but everyone bar a few, is that low interest rates fuel credit growth and asset prices when that's able to happen. So there's two parts of that. The one part is the availability to get credit, and the other part is the availability of the desire to get credit, okay? So need and want. So do they have the ability to get the credit, to get the loan, and do they want to get it? So the sentiment carries through with the want. So does someone want to get it? Are there wages in that position? Do they feel confident in the market? Do they want to go forward and uh, buy property and buy assets, that sort of thing right now? And, oh, yes, if that's a yes, then can they get that? Can they get that funding? And uh, so banks are stricter in their documentation, but with the change to the lending criteria and the assessment rate and things like that, you can actually get loan easier if your documentation is in order. Okay, so it's a bit of a two-edged sword there. One way is like they're more strict on documentation. The other way is the assessment rate and interest rates have dropped, so it actually is easy to get a loan. So it's kind of almost finding a balance there in that market. If you're a PAYG earner that is up to date with your tax and got your documentation in order, absolutely getting a loan is not a problem, generally. For some of the others with self-employed, things like that, it can be a little bit harder. But as long as your documentation is in order, it's pretty good and the assessment rate has dropped. So that then comes back to market sentiment. And with the RBA keep dropping rates, which of course is totally outside of any of our control, what does that look like? What does that do to the sentiment? And that really gets split. Some people go, that's great, cheap interest rates, let's go. Uh, the other people go, this is not a sign of a good market, not a good thing to do. What I will say is that I'm hearing around the traps and seeing on different forums and other places that uh, there's certain people, and I'm not saying that they're all financial planners, um, and it's probably a great portion is property people, that are saying don't even bother paying down any sort of debt because interest, uh, interest rates are so cheap. Just go and borrow to make, to make money and do, do whatever it is. So you can borrow, buy an investment property, do whatever, but don't worry about the debt. I've got to say that's a really, really seriously flawed model uh, and you should always worry about the debt. Uh, I'm not going to get into the whole good debt versus bad debt thing right now um, because debt is debt and it doesn't really matter. Um, you don't hear anyone say uh, good chainsaw versus bad chainsaw. Um, it's all about how it's used and it still can have the same result at the end of the day and cut your leg off. So it's important to see debt the same way doesn't matter what the interest rate is. It doesn't matter what you're using the debt for. You've got to look at it that you are still taking on that debt. Now, yes, there's smarter uses for debt versus dumber uses for debt, but you're still taking on that debt, and it's important for you to realise that. So don't get caught up in the low to no interest rate or, heaven forbid, a negative interest rate where you get paid to virtually take on debt. That debt is still attributed to your name and it should be something that you 100% can, uh, 
need to have a look at and think about what you're doing. All right, I'm going to show you a couple of charts here um, that involve Perth. Now, Perth has sat at the bottom of the market for a very, very long time. Okay, And what we're seeing now is we're seeing some vacancy rates changes. In fact, they're getting quite low. I think it's 2.6% in Perth at the moment. Um, and which one is this? 1003. So we, as I said, we're seeing vacancy rates at 2.6% in Perth. And uh, that is very, very, very low. Essentially, uh, we're seeing them, they've gone right up in 2016, 2017 to, uh, well, about 5%, 5.2%, and it's halved in that time coming down now. So what does that mean? Well, it means that uh, we're on the cusp of seeing a potential change in the Perth market. Not only has vacancy rates dropped, we're seeing the yield, the gross rental yields change. And as soon as the gross rental yields start to change, then we look at a potential change in the market. And that is evidenced by, on my little whiteboard here, uh, this part of the cycle, which I don't expect you guys to see, anyone who's our client has a copy of, of our compass and Phil Anderson's clock. And the first phase of a recovery in a real estate market is that gross rental yields change. And gross rental yields are changing in Perth, so that's something to look out for. I'm not saying to run to Perth and to buy up property. I am saying that you need to have a look at that and consider um, what is going on and be aware of it. All right, let's do this here. I've got one last thing to show you, I think. So Phil Anderson, the guy who designed the chart that's behind me, uh, has started or is starting in December his own service for property investors. All right, so I'll get you to look up PropertyShareMarketEconomics.com. So that's Phil's new service that he's starting up. I suggest that you log on for free and get his updates. He will have a paid service coming forward. Yes, that is true. But he will also send you out some information um, just on email for free. And it's important to try and grab as much of that as you possibly can. All right, so that's property share market economics. The other thing that I wanted to show you about before we head off for the day, because next week is our Properties one, and by that time I hope that our new software is sorted. This is the first time we're streaming live to Facebook and YouTube and a whole bunch of pages at once. It's only just come out this week, and I'd say there's some gremlins here which I couldn't test offline, so I do apologize for that. Um, but Oh, look at that. This one actually works. So uh, I would like to point you guys in the direction of all our training videos and all our updates are here on the Zenium Vault page. So go to www.zenium, that's X-E-N-I-U-M, so zenium.property slash vault as in safe, not electricity. So zenium.property slash vault. And you can access all our training videos and all our updates there. Uh, 
in one go on the screen as you see. So that's only showing you the training videos if you scroll down that screen. All right, so you go down to all our updates there. So that's important for you to jump on there and you can get all our back stuff there off that website as it is. All right, so uh, that's our first trial. We're doing a lunchtime broadcast. We thought we'd give it a shot. The other thing I'll mention is that we have just uh, built and re are refurbishing an old room. We're calling a bunker for all our filming and other bits and pieces to bring more and more content to you on a regular basis with some pretty exciting news from February 2020. It's a very, very far away in the property market space, I guess, but keep in touch with us on that because there's some cool things going on from February that will involve a lot of content regularly straight to you in many different platforms. All right, there's no other reasons uh, for me to be on right now. Um, there's no other questions. This is a general market update. Thanks for stopping by, thanks for looking in, and we are on next week, probably next Thursday again, always on a Thursday, and it'll probably be lunchtime. <clears throat> we'll bring you the best opportunities from the markets around Australia according to all this data we've covered today. So according to the property, uh, the property clock, uh, the HCW market data interpretation report that they bring out every month, um, what's going on in Sydney and Melbourne, is there any opportunities there, all that sort of stuff. We'll talk about next Thursday and uh, hopefully my screen will be working then. All right, that's it from me. I'm going to sign off now. Enjoy your lunch and I'll see you soon. Cheers.